Welcome to the Maroon Monsoon, brought to you by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Gila River bleeds maroon and gold and is Arizona's official sports headquarters. Now, here's your host, the voice of the Sun Devils, Tim Healy. A pleasant good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Maroon Monsoon, the Sun Devil Radio Network's weekly hour-long radio show that spotlights Arizona State University athletics. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of Arizona State Sun Devil football, men's basketball, and baseball, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to this evening's broadcast. Just so you know, there are several different ways each week where you can check out the Maroon Monsoon. You can listen on Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. You can live stream through the ASU page on the Arizona Sports app. Or if you want to see the show, you can check out our Facebook live stream on the Sun Devil Athletics Facebook page. We have an interesting hour of Sun Devil conversation headed your way this evening, during which time football and hockey will be the topics up for discussion with our two guests on tonight's show. With his fast-rising program now set to take on a rigorous 28-game schedule made up exclusively of road games and all of them coming against competition from the tough Big Ten Conference, Sun Devil hockey coach Greg Powers will join us a little later on this evening to preview his 2020-2021 Arizona State hockey team, as well as talk about ASU's newly developed scheduling paradigm that for all intents and purposes, makes the Sun Devils a part of Big Ten hockey for at least one year. That's coming up in the second hour, or second half hour, I should say, of tonight's show. But to get things started tonight, Sun Devil football is about to get things started as Coach Herm Edwards' club will hit the field tomorrow morning for the first of its 20 preseason practices leading up to the coronavirus-delayed start of the 2020 football season, Saturday, November 7th, when ASU visits the USC Trojans. Here with me tonight to help preview the 2020 Sun Devil team and discuss the state of ASU and Pac-12 football in these extraordinary times is a gentleman who's pretty darn extraordinary at his craft, in my opinion. He covers Arizona State football and men's basketball for the terrific subscription-based sports website, The Athletic, He formerly was the ASU football and hoops beat writer for the Arizona Republic and AZ Central and was named the 2019 Arizona Sports Writer of the Year by the National Sports Media Association. Simply put, he is one of the best and most dedicated sports writers I've known in my 47 years in this biz. He's been a frequent guest on our ASU football and basketball pregame shows, and he's our guest here tonight on the Maroon Monsoon. It's a pleasure to welcome my buddy Doug Howler to the show. First of all, Doug, I ask every guest when they come on, how's your health been? How's the health of your wife and three daughters been through this pandemic? Well, hi, Tim. Uh, that was quite the introduction. Thank you. Uh, we're, we're doing well. We, we did have a, a scare a few weeks ago. Um, my daughter was around someone uh, who tested positive, so we had to quarantine, uh, kind of self-isolate for a while and get tested and all that, but we came out of that fine. So, um, you know, we're doing well. Difficult times to be sure, but uh, we're, we're holding up just fine. That's great to hear. You know, for the longest time during the last seven months, I wondered if we would even see college football or Arizona State football played at all this calendar year because of the coronavirus pandemic. 
now here we are eight days into the month of October and the college football season is already underway in a lot of the country and will soon get underway here in the West Coast with the Pac-12 ready to saddle up and get its season started a month from now and the Sun Devils ready to get back on the practice field tomorrow. How would you capsule or summarize what these past few months have been like for football fans, for those of us who love and cover the game and the journey that the Pac-12 has taken to get to this point? It's definitely been chaotic. Uh, That would be one word that I would use. Uh, A lot of false starts. I think I've done three schedule breakdowns now, made three different predictions on how Arizona State will do this fall. Um, You know, it's it's hard to – I know the Pac-12 has taken a lot of blame for how this has all unfolded. Uh, at the beginning, um, you know, they made it clear and they were very transparent to him about what, why they made the decision to postpone the fall season. Um, and if you remember right, when the Big Ten made their decision, they got a lot of heat for not being as transparent. Uh, but, you know, there were <laughs> as the testing, the rapid testing became available. I think that that changed a little bit. And of course, you know, the Big Ten deciding to play the Pac-12 didn't want to be the last major conference sitting out. Uh, so it, it took a while and maybe a different route to get to the starting point. But, man, I'm just happy that we're finally at the starting point. And I guess that's a little premature. We're not there yet. But, you know, it seems like we're going to get there. <laughs> I mean, it really seems like. I think the last time there was a schedule, just conference only, you know, there's still a lot of skepticism about whether we'd actually see football. Everybody I talk to right now is pretty confident. I think a lot of people have praised the Pac-12 for taking its cautious, conservative approach uh, in executing its startup plan. It's, it's been a different dynamic uh, with the coronavirus out here on the West Coast, and I think that's been reflected in uh, the way the Pac-12 has proceeded through this. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the California schools just got state uh, clearance uh, within the past week and then just got local, uh, you know, those, those restrictions lifted to where they can get on the field with, you know, in cohorts of 75 players uh, just today. Colorado, uh, also same boat. I mean, they got shut down by their local um, health officials, um, and now they're, they're back. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there have been obstacles in the Pac-12 footprint that other conferences, other places around the country have not um, had to deal with. So, yeah, and, you know, it's not like this has been smooth sailing, I mean, for any team or for any league. Uh, you know, the NBA did pretty well, but they had the bubble environment. Major League Baseball had problems. The NFL is now having problems. You know, and we've seen already, you know, more than 20 games disrupted in college football across the country. We've seen head coaches come down with this virus. It's, you know, it's just a week-by-week thing, as Herm Edwards has said. And, you know, he has pointed out all along that, you know, Maybe we get to seven games, maybe we don't, but, you know, we're going to try our best to get there. That is the hope and plan that they will get to a seven-game schedule this fall. If they do, Doug, do you think that will be enough of a sample size to get a worthy Pac-12 team or maybe even teams, plural, to be considered for the college football playoff at year's end? I think it'll be difficult. Um, A lot, I think, will depend on – you know, what happens elsewhere across the country. Uh, you know, the Big 12 has kind of struggled a little bit out of the gate. You know, if the Big 10 struggles, maybe, um, you know, how many games do they have postponed or canceled altogether? But I do think as a starting point, you know, for a Pac-12 team to be considered, obviously they're going to have to run the table. But I also think they're going to have to have some style points along the way. I think they're going to have to beat um, some other relevant teams. Uh, so, you know, just say, just for if, 
you say Arizona State's going to be in the discussion. You know, if they beat USC in Week One, they're going to need the US. They're going to need for USC to continue to be good throughout the rest of those six games. You know, they're going to need Utah probably to be good. You know, they're not going to be able to. You know, just kind of coast. They they need it's the, it's a conference wide thing, and they're going to need uh, a lot of teams to play well, and you're going to need to play well at the right times. You know, Doug, I have a theory. I don't know what you think about it, but something that could help the Pac-12, I think more eyeballs are going to be focused on the league this year because in the first six weeks, every conference game will be televised nationally by either Fox, ABC, or ESPN. No games, unbelievably, will be on the Pac-12 conference's own television network in the first six games or the first six weeks. Yeah, and I know that's disappointing probably to some fans. Um, I'm being sarcastic there, but yeah. <laughs> to, to approximately no fans. <laughs> the Pac-12, uh, you know, they had to satisfy their their contractual obligations with with ABC and ESPN and, and Fox, so it kind of worked out that way. And it's it it's also benefits them financially to be on the major networks in, instead of their own. So that makes sense. But you know, and I've heard some people, not a lot. I think most people are in favor of the 9 a.m. kickoff to start the season. Um, I think it's a move the Pac-12 had to make, you know, to get that that time slot, you know, to be a national televised game on a major network, you know, given the circumstances that everyone has a head start, you need that exposure right off the bat. And I love that it's a big game right off the bat. Maybe coaches don't, but uh, I think it's I think it's what the Pac-12 needs. It needs to come out with a with a pretty powerful punch, you know. And I've been told Tim they haven't announced the the start time, the kickoff times for the other games yet. But I've been told to, to expect some some other you know times that we haven't we're not used to seeing, um, you know. So that that'll be a good thing too. I think it, it was a, with an abbreviated season, a different season. You know, let, let's let's try some different things. Let's see what works and what doesn't. Uh, you know, because you know everything can reset next year if it doesn't work out well. But why not why not experiment? Indeed, think outside the box. And boy, you talk about uh, a powerful punch. How about the first two weeks? Not only USC in week one. But in week two, the Sun Devils in their home opener will play a Cal team that's picked to finish second in the Pac-12 North. And I happen to think they can give Oregon a run for their money in the North Division. I agree with you. I think Arizona State's first, their two toughest games are right off the bat, week one, week two. And I say that, uh, I'll probably end up kicking myself because I always underestimate Utah. (laughs) In basketball and football, I always underestimate uh, Utah and, you know, Kyle Whittingham. You know, they won the last two division championships in the South. Uh, they lost a lot, but I expect them probably, I mean, their, their culture is set. Their, their program is set. They're, they're on solid footing there. So I expect them to be difficult. But, no, I agree with you. If I had to rank the, the difficulty or the opponents in terms of difficulty, I would go USC, Cal, and then Utah just slightly behind Cal. I think, you know, Cal, even though they did lose, you know, Evan Weaver, their great linebacker, Uh, They have some interesting pieces coming back. And I think Justin Wilcox is one of the better coaches in the Pac-12. In fact, I read on one of the preseason magazines, another Pac-12 coach in Sizing Up Cal said that this is their window of opportunity because you don't know how much longer Wilcox is going to be there because he's going to get mentioned for all the big jobs that come open. I agree with you. He's done a marvelous job, particularly with that defense at Cal. Of course, it's going to be really different this year, Doug. Uh, there's going to be, I think, sizable TV audiences for Pac-12 football with all the games being televised nationally. But 
no fans in the stands. What do you sense that will be like? We've seen it in other sports, but these will be the first that we have covered in person, and it's, it's, it's going to be compelling, isn't it? Yeah, I, I helped out on the Cardinals for for uh, the first few weeks while the, the patch well was on hold, so I was out there for their home opener in Glendale. Tim, it's really strange. <laughs> it is really strange. It's like you're watching a team scrimmage. You know, you're, you're used to kind of reacting you know, what, what you do, I mean, obviously we're focused on what's going on, but, you know, sometimes there's a fumble and sometimes you're not aware of it until the crowd, you know, uh, makes you aware of it. Um, and you do, you just don't have that. You just, you don't know until you see someone come up with a ball and it just seems like very, it's very, very surreal. Um, and, and, you know, Herm Edwards brought up the point that this pretty much eliminates home field advantage. I don't know if it eliminates it entirely, but I do think it really levels the playing field as far as that goes because, you know, there's just not going to be, you know, 40,000, 50,000 fans behind the home team. And, you know, that does have to have some sort of effect. And the other way that this pandemic is affecting, it's affecting people like you and me in the way that we will be covering the football team. And, uh, you know, it, I think I don't think I'm letting the cat out of the bag. The Sun Devil Radio Network, as of now, will not be traveling to any road games except perhaps the Arizona game in Tucson. We're going to be broadcasting road games from home. Talk about how it's going to influence you doing your job in terms of getting those post-practice interviews during the week and and being able to observe practices, which likely will be closed throughout this month. Yeah, well, as to start, as you know, Tim, Arizona State is incredibly accommodating uh, to its media. Yes. And you know, during the season, uh, they don't normally let us watch the entire practice, but they let us watch the first 20 or 30 minutes. And that time, especially early in the season, is invaluable because you get to see, you know, how the depth chart kind of stacks up. You know, who's – what freshmen are on the field. Um, you know, just how the defense shapes, you know, looks – you know, from the – we have a pretty good idea about how the back end's going to look, but what about the front seven? What about the defensive line? Um, we're not going to have that <laughs> this time around. Uh, our practices are completely closed for obvious reasons. I mean, they don't want outsiders, you know, coming around their players. There's too much at stake for them. Uh, you know, and then, you know, and all the interviews will be done by Zoom. Um, and I've been through that a lot with the Cardinals already. And it's it's not it's not ideal. <laughs> it's not as, as reporters. You want to kind of make a connection and, you know, go different directions. And when you're on there with, you know, 15, 20 other people, you know, you, you can't do that. You can't do that. You don't have an opportunity very often to ask follow-up questions. So um, going to have to just try to figure a way around it, um, which, you know, is possible. Uh, but that's the world we live in right now. Everyone's having to make adjustments, and we'll do the same. In this period of time, Doug, I think to uh, the favorite phrase of my longtime broadcast partner, Jeff Van Raphorst, from his playing days, he always says, partner, keep your knees bent which means be flexible and be ready to react to anything that may happen because that has now become our new normal. Say, fans, purchase one Coors Light 12-pack or larger or one Coors Seltzer 12-pack and any 7.7-ounce bag of Circle K Favorites chips at your local Arizona Circle K. Then text HOMEGATE to 313-313 with register receipt to enter to win a grand prize Coors Light RV HOMEGATE experience as well as other prizes. Visit your local Circle K to get all the details. Still more to come on our hour-long edition of the Maroon Monsoon with the Sun Devils set to begin preseason practices tomorrow morning. 
Doug and I will preview Coach Herm Edwards' 2020 Arizona State football team. But first, let's take a timeout on the Sun Devil Radio Network. You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon. Now back to our host, Tim Healy. Hey, Sun Devil fans, join us between November 6th through the 8th to chase down football season with the inaugural Sparky's Race to Kickoff Virtual 5K and Fun Run. Visit thesundevils.com backslash virtual 5K to register. We continue now on the Maroon Monsoon, the Sun Devil Radio Network's new Thursday night program this fall that highlights Arizona State athletics. I'm Tim Healy, your host, and ASU ice hockey coach Greg Powers will drop by for a visit later on this evening. But right now we continue our ASU football conversation with 2019 Arizona Sports Writer of the Year, Doug Holler, the Sun Devil football and men's basketball beat writer for the subscription-based sports website, The Athletic. The Sun Devils at long last hit the practice field, 9.45 tomorrow morning, first of their approximately 20 preseason practice sessions leading up to the November 7th season opener at USC, a game that will match the team's pick to finish 1-2 in the Pac-12 South in the annual preseason media poll. USC picked first, Arizona State second. And Doug, as uh, practices begin tomorrow, what, in your opinion, are some of the more intriguing storylines that you'll be keeping an eye on in what truly will be a fall camp of football? <laughs> well, I mean, I think going into spring, back before all this happened, you know, the receiver position was really one uh, to watch because you had you lost Brandon Ayuk, you lost Kyle Williams, Frank Darby. I think you can pretty much write him in and ink. He's, he's not going anywhere. But what do they do beyond that? After that, there's a lot of inexperience. You had some guys play last year's true freshman, and now you have some guys coming up uh, who are going to be pushing those guys. So that would be one, you know, which which uh, what's the rotation look like there? The other is, you know, probably the offense and defensive lines, Tim. Uh, you know, the offensive line was upgraded with the two graduate transfers, Kellen Deesh from Texas A&M and Henry Haddis from Stanford. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen those guys. Have you seen those guys? Not in person. Henry and no. I, yeah, they, they look like NFL linemen. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They have the size, but they, they haven't played a whole lot. And then, you know, Kellen's a backup for his whole career. So what can they bring? And then how much have those young guys that played last year, like Donovan West and Ladarius uh, Henderson, how much have they improved? That, that's really something that I think uh, will be interesting. That's going to be something that might be tested right off the bat. And let's not forget the top three running backs on the Sun Devils preseason death chart are a true freshman, a true freshman, and a first-year junior college transfer. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, because it's so easy to forget. I mean, when you when you look at the offense – I mean, an offense in the preseason is always judged by who you got coming back at quarterback. Well, Arizona State checks that box emphatically with Jaden Daniels. Um, and, and they do have, I mean, the, the guys that they brought in, Daniel Nagata and Diamante Tradem, you know, four-star guys. And in the spring, they look legit. But Eno Benjamin, I mean, your history of the program is probably superior to mine, but I would put Eno as a top five back in ASU history. Is that an exaggeration, you think? I, I don't think so. I, I mean, it was two years, uh, maybe a slightly smaller sample size than some of the others in the past. But, uh, I mean, I was just a huge Eno fan, Doug. I love the way he ran. He ran 
aggressively, violently, I thought, and, and could evade tackles like few I'd ever seen. And uh, just really, really enjoyed watching him. And he, his are big shoes to fill, no doubt. Yeah, and he was a closer. I mean, if you needed someone in the fourth quarter to kind of sustain a drive, to kind of you know grind out the clock, he could do that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the the uh, the freshman or Rashad White, the junior college transfer, can 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 you know I don't they're not going to be able to do it, but can they as a committee? Uh, and Zach Hill wants to play three backs. If they can maybe uh, replace Eno in some way like that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the receivers. We should pass along some breaking news out of the program. Uh, the Sun Devils have had their first uh, uh, significant player, I guess you could say, to opt out of the 2020 season due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Jordan uh, Curley, the, uh, the true sophomore wideout from Austin, Texas, who caught nine passes in uh, some part-time duty last year, has elected to opt out. And he, he had been a starter on my preseason depth chart, and uh, but I do think the Sun Devils, uh, they, they have bodies at the wide receiver position, but a lot of them, like Curly, are relatively young, untested bodies outside of Frank Darby. Yeah, he was definitely going to be someone who was going to be in the mix this year. Uh, no doubt about it, whether, you know, if he started or was just in the rotation. Um, Elijah Badger, another uh, freshman who was entering the program. Um, I think he was ranked as the number three athlete. Um, mm-hmm. by 24-7 sports, came in as a receiver, may end up on defense, but he's ineligible this year uh, for academic reasons. So down a little bit, but as you mentioned, uh, with Ricky Pearsall, with, you know, they still have Johnny Wilson, who is big six foot seven guy, LV Bunkley Shelton, the freshman who, you know, Herm Edwards yesterday are at the Pac-12 media uh, conference call, you know, just – Gave, just gave him a tremendous praise. And that's not something that Herm Edwards does a lot. He, he usually keeps that type of thing at a minimum, but he said he's been really fantastic in their workouts. Of course, as you said, having Jaden Daniels back at quarterback, uh, if, uh, you know, to my, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the Pac-12, a brilliant freshman season. Herm told us a couple of weeks ago, Doug, he would like to see Jaden take more shots downfield this year and what areas would you like to see him take that next level in his progression as an elite quarterback well he certainly has the the receiver to do it if he wants to take more shots with with frank darby um he 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 probably should be a little bit more accurate i mean his completion percentage wasn't bad um but it it could probably be better um you know, I, I kind of want to see what he can do with his legs. We saw just a uh, just a little bit of that last year, uh, and when he did escape and, re- and scramble and extend plays, um, you know, he kept his head up. He was looking to pass, but when he ran, uh, he was quick to get down. You know, what what would that look like um, if he, you know, he doesn't like to be labeled a dual threat quarterback, but he certainly has that ability. Um, I think that would be good. And you know, just what is he like as a leader? I mean, he's a sophomore now, and now it's his team, and you know. How can he do? I think that's a, you know, sometimes people think that's overrated. I don't think it is in football, not not at that position. I think that goes a long way. Um, and I saw it from Manny Wilkins. I thought that really rubbed off on the team. Let's see what Jaden Daniels can do in that regard. Great point, though, about Jaden and his legs. I would argue, Doug, that his legs helped produce three wins last year. I thought his fourth down run at Michigan State that led to the game-winning touchdown might, could arguably in some ways have been the play of the year for the Sun Devils. He won the Washington State game with his 17-yard run in the final minute. And he, if you recall, in that Friday night win at Cal in late September, his running 
was, I think, a key factor in the Sun Devils being able to rally for a win there. Well, you, you mentioned the um, the Washington State game. That was one situation where he didn't slide. Remember, he pretty much just took the big hit and kind of spun around and got into the end zone, if I remember mm-hmm. that correctly. Yep. Uh, and then another play, if you remember the Florida State game in the Sun Bowl on that two-point conversion where I, I think it's been on social media uh, <laughs> quite often, you know, when he has four or five guys around him and he still is strong enough to get into the end zone. Uh, I remember writing last year before they named him a starting quarterback. I didn't think he was going to be big enough, you know, because he, he, I mean, he really is skinny um, to play, to, to win that starting position. Obviously, I was very, very wrong. Uh, he, I don't think he's ever going to be a big guy, but, you know, they list him now, I think, at 185. So, he, you know, it seems like he's maybe more built, more prepared to kind of maybe run and, you know, take some of those hits. But uh, it will be interesting to see because that, that's such a dangerous weapon a quarterback who can run like that and open up the field. Can the defense be the strength of this team? And will the secondary be the strength of this defense in 2020? I say yes to both, Tim. Um, You know, was it eight starters returning uh, for the most part? Um, 22 gave up 22 points a game last year. If you think about where this defense was, you know, three or four years ago, uh, that's a remarkable what Danny Gonzalez did to really get, uh, Arizona State's defense back to a respectable level uh, is pretty remarkable. Um, you know, and that, it, I think the defense needs to be the strength of the team. With, with, with you mentioned the young playmakers in the backfield, on the offensive backfield and the receiver, you know, you have that core of players on defense who have started since they were freshmen. Jermaine Lole up front, uh, the linebackers, Darren Merlin Robertson, and then the safety is Shari Crosswell. Th- this is their time. You know, the learning is over. You know, the they learned by fire the freshman year. They grew a little bit as sophomores. Now it's their time to become one of the better defenses in the Pac-12. Uh, they've seen it all. Now they got to do it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the defense could could play well. And I think the secondary, you know, how often do you have a four-year starter at corner or in any position? But Chase Lucas is a four-year starter. Um, I don't think he gets as much credit as he, as he deserves locally. I'm not sure why that is. But – I've always, I think Chase is a very solid Pac-12 cornerback, um, and I think he'll have a very solid year. I mean, people always kind of judge players on what they can do in the NFL. Well, let's just judge them on what they do now, and I think Chase has been very solid. And then, and then you have on the other side Jack Jones, who, you know, everybody knows his story and how he was a previously a five-star guy, went to USC, but last year he came in, didn't play, you know, had a year off uh, getting his kind of his life and his schoolwork in order. And he, he got better as the year went on. He was still pretty good. So what what does a year off, a, a year in the program uh, do for him this year? I, I think their corners are going to be really solid. And, you know, Crosswell and Evan Fields on the, on the safeties, I think those are two kids, two guys that will be pretty good back there as well. And two good kickers, Michael Turk, the punter, number 11 in the nation. He returns after making himself eligible for the NFL draft. Christians and Dejas, 23 of 27 in field goals, including a Sun Bowl record, four of them in the 20-14 to 14 win New Year's Eve over Florida State. Before we let you go, Doug, do you have a prediction as to the final record, or is this season so truncated that it's going to be hard to make that kind of prediction? Uh, it is going to be hard. I'm terrible at predictions, but I do think playing the two California schools up front will be as good, it is as about as lucky as ASU could get with their draw on their schedule. I think they'll win both of those games. I'm not – convinced that they're good enough to run the table, Tim, 
Uh, I still have some questions, as I mentioned, on the offensive line and as you mentioned in the backfield. But So I have them going 5-1. and one. I don't know which game they'll lose. Uh, I'd, if I had to guess, I would say Utah. But 5-1 um, and one is what I'm going with for right now. And hopefully 5-1 and one can get him into the uh, Pac-12 championship game on uh, December 18th. Always great insights from one of the top sports writers in this state. Doug, thanks for joining us tonight. I enjoy it, Tim. Thanks for having me. Doug Holler, ASU beat writer for The Athletic, our guest on this portion of the Maroon Monsoon. Say, fans, you have to order the Maroon or Gold Devil Deals from Venezia's Pizzeria for a chance to win an awesome prize pack courtesy of Sun Devil Athletics and Coors Light. Visit venezias.com slash devil deals to learn more. Next, we go from the gridiron to the ice. Sun Devil Hockey heading to the Big Ten for one year at least. We'll get the details of ASU's unique scheduling arrangement for the upcoming season and a Sun Devil team preview from head coach Greg Powers. But first, this time out on the Sun Devil Radio Network. You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon. Now back to our host, Tim Healy. Welcome back to the Maroon Monsoon here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. I'm Tim Healy. We're glad you decided to give us a listen this evening. In its brief NCAA Division I history, the Arizona State ice hockey program has never been one to shy away from taking on and conquering significant challenges in its ongoing effort to become an elite collegiate hockey program. And the results have been impressive, to say the least. In the 2018-19 season, the Sun Devils earned the program's first ever NCAA tournament berth. Last year, ASU posted a program record 22-win season, and likely would have earned a second straight NCAA appearance were it not for the coronavirus pandemic that brought their season to a premature end in March. Now, with the pandemic still very much a part of our daily lives, ASU hockey had to get creative in order to put together a representative schedule for this coming season. The result proves yet another challenge that provides a challenge that will be met head-on by the Sun Devils and their outstanding Head coach joining us tonight to talk about ASU hockey's unique scheduling arrangement with the Big Ten Conference and to give us a preview of his Sun Devil hockey team is a gentleman who's entering his 13th year in charge of Sun Devil hockey, his sixth season as coach of Arizona State's Division One hockey program. In each of the last two years, he has been a finalist for the National College Hockey Coach of the Year Award, and we're delighted to have Coach Greg Powers join us on the Maroon Monsoon. Greg, good to see you, my friend. How you been? It's great to see you, Tim, and it's 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 always good to hear that silky voice of yours. Ah, shucks. How much did I pay you to say that? <laughs> hey, the, so the news came down this past Tuesday. Arizona State Hockey has reached a scheduling agreement with the Big Ten Conference for this coming season, whereby ASU will play every team in the Big Ten four times each this coming year, with all 28 of those games being played on the road on the home ice of the seven Big Ten schools that sponsor men's hockey, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, and Notre Dame. A stunning development, to say the least, Greg. Tell us how this uh, scheduling arrangement came about. Well, I mean, Tim, as you know, and, and, and all of our fans know, we, we, we've been for the you know five years of our existence the only independent um, program that plays Division One hockey. And with with obviously the, the COVID nineteen pandemic and and everything that that it, it entails, much uh, college hockey is going to go to conference only play. So we had to come up with a solution. So we had a seat at the table. 
Um, and we had a few different opportunities to, to, to go up at this in, in a really unique and challenging way. Um, but our biggest issue was going to be finding games in January and February when everybody was playing just conference games. And um, the Big Ten ended up being a, 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 a really good situation for us and for them because they only have seven teams to play. So they didn't want to be in a situation where they had every weekend one of their teams that, that was going to be off and on a bye. Um, we, we, we did a lot of talking between, you know, obviously our administration, Frank Ferrara and, and Ray with, with the Big Ten offices and me with all the coaches that um, we would match their testing protocol. And it ended up being a, a great, you know, kind of match to, to solve their issue of an unbalanced schedule and in our issue of, of being able to find um, uh, an opportunity for our guys to have a, an equal seat at the table. So that's how it kind of came about. You were with us on Ray Anderson's podcast earlier this week, Greg, and uh, maybe you could repeat for our fans listening. Uh, you've got, they, you fi- they figured out a way to make your travel relatively efficient, albeit that you're going to have to make a lot of uh, trips to the Midwest uh, this coming year. Yeah, I mean, what, one of the things that, you know, so, so they came at us with, with the opportunity to play 28 games, four games in each venue. Um, we, we obviously wanted to strategically, um, you know, give ourselves the best opportunity and, and do with the least amount of back and forth for our players. Um, so what we did was we came up with an idea of, of just doing it in travel segments. So Minnesota and Wisconsin will be a travel segment where we might play on – in Madison on a Friday and Saturday, and then we'll have two or three days off. Um, and, and obviously bus three and a half, four short hours to Minneapolis and play the University of Minnesota maybe on a, a Wednesday, Thursday, you know, and then come back that Friday. The same, we'll do that trip twice. We'll, we'll do the same um, idea with Michigan and Michigan State, which is a, a pretty easy one. They're only an hour away from each other. Uh, Ohio State and Notre Dame. Notre Dame does play in the Big Ten for hockey. Uh, that's about a four-hour trip away from each other. And then when we go to Penn State, we'll probably just go one time and play the uh, the Nittany Lions four times in about eight days. So we're a program that, that since our inception has been used to traveling up to a dozen times a year. And we've been able to come up with a solution here where it looks like we probably will only have to take seven trips. They'll just be an extended trip every time. But um, all, all, you know, our players are all going to school online and they won't miss a beat in the classroom. And, and it's an opportunity for us to, to grow closer as, as a program, be out on the road together and, and, and build up our culture even more. We're excited about it. You've traveled a lot as a Division One program, and you've also played some of the top teams in the nation, many of them in the Big Ten, the teams you're going to face this year. In fact, uh, I was looking at the final NCAA rankings from last year, Greg, and four of the seven Big Ten programs were nationally ranked. Penn State, number eight, Ohio State, 10th, Michigan, 17th, Minnesota, 18th, and Notre Dame was in the others receiving votes category. Oh, by the way, Arizona State was ranked 13th. And then you throw in Wisconsin and Michigan State, they're traditionally strong programs. How do you feel you're going to match up with these teams in 2021? It is going to be a lot of fun. There's not a weekend off in that league. It's arguably the most, you know, uh, the deepest from top to bottom league in, in college hockey. And um, we know we, we know it's going to be a tremendous challenge, but um, we, we just really like our team. We really like the direction that our program's heading. We've, we've, we've played everybody in any type of environment. We haven't shied away from anyone as we built this program. Um, we've beat 
you know, pretty much everybody that we've played to this point for the most part, um, especially the last two years. And we believe we're ready for this opportunity and this challenge. Um, when we spoke to our guys on Tuesday and broke the news to them, they, they could not have been more excited about it, you know, and, and, uh, and I think people on the outside looking in, you know, I mean, I, I've been called a lot of, a lot of different versions of crazy for playing 28 road games. Um, but, uh, it, it's just another obstacle that we're letting the outside world create for us. And, and that, that we're confident we're going to we're going to charge right through and overcome. Greg, I know the schedule is probably in the developmental stage, but do you have a sense when your season will start and your preseason practice schedule too? Yeah, we're going to start the weekend of November twentieth. Uh, there will be four Big Ten teams, I think, that will start the weekend before that. We'll start the weekend after. We don't know where. Um, we should hopefully know that. We're, we're anticipating, you know, maybe by the end of next week, and, and they're doing what they can to get that to us so we can get our travel all scheduled and, and get that situated. Um, so, so we do know we're going to start November 20th. Preseason um, practice, we've been going at it for about six weeks now in small groups. We've been able to get so much great work in with the guys and, and, and historically – do things with them that, that you don't really do as much as we have and in skill development. And they look really sharp. They feel very good about where they're at. And uh, we've been able to do some, some competing in very small groups and, and um, they look great. You know, we, 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 we uh, anticipate being able to practice fully as a team on Monday, October 19th. And that'll give us a month to really get our team concepts dialed in um, and, and get these guys ready, and, and it's all the time I think we're going to need to to get them ready. Sun Devil hockey coach Greg Powers, our guest on the Maroon Monsoon tonight, and uh, our next segment, we're going to preview Greg's 2020-2021 ASU hockey team. Tonight's broadcast of the Maroon Monsoon is brought to you in part by Lyft. Thank you, Lyft, for being a proud Sun Devil Athletics partner. Indeed. And then our next segment, Coach Powers will preview his uh, hockey team that's going to hit the road and head to Big Ten country early and often in the 2020-2021 hockey season. But first, we'll take a timeout here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon. Now back to our host, Tim Healy. Hey, Sun Devil fans, here's a reminder you can keep up with our radio play-by-play team on Twitter and Instagram by following at SunDevilPBP. We're winding down tonight's installment of the Maroon Monsoon. I'm Tim Healy, thanking you for joining us tonight as we continue our conversation with Sun Devil hockey coach Greg Powers, whose team will play an all-Big Ten 28-game every-game-on-the-road schedule this season. And they'll do so with a squad that's coming off Back-to-back history-making seasons, a 21-win NCAA tournament season in 2018-19, a program record 22-win season last year, a season that included wins over three top 10 ranked opponents. Greg, as you get ready for this season, share with us your overview on the team that you'll have coming back. Well, I think the first, the big question that, that a lot of our fans want to want to know and, and have asked me is, is how we're going to place two kids assigned NHL contracts on our back end that, that ate 26 to 28 minutes a night um, on our blue line. And Brinson Pashnuk, who's now with the Sharks, and Josh Maniscalco, who signed with the Penguins. And um, we, we love what we have back there. We developed two sophomores, two freshmen last year, and Jacob Semick and Jack Judson, who are really ready to step into major roles for us as sophomores. 
And then we, we, we you know, we brought in a, a high-end freshman in Carson Casabud and a really high-end transfer from Alabama Huntsville who led them in points as a defenseman and a freshman in Tanner Hickey. So we, we love our core. Um, Jacob Wilson's our captain and our senior back there and kind of heart and soul of our team. Uh, Jared Gorley's another guy that's ready to, to, to eat more minutes. And then Vito Janssen's from Latvia um, certainly is a kid that, that can fill minutes for us. But really what we're excited about is how deep we are up front. We are not going to be fun to play against. We're going to score a lot of goals. We have a ton of depth and talent and skill and more speed than we've ever had. Um, you know, two kids that, that, that I think Sun Devil fans are really going to enjoy watching how they play. Uh, one is Chris Grando, who, who, who's a transfer from Boston College. He was their rookie of the year as a freshman. He redshirted with us last year, and he looks tremendous. The other one is Sean Doogie, you know, uh, a five foot, all five foot three of them. Uh, came from, from Wisconsin. He led them in points as a sophomore at Wisconsin, and both those guys will be eligible this year and really add a, an element of speed and skill up front that we just haven't had. And, and then, obviously, you know, when you tack on our, our number, I think, two, I've seen a two to fifth ranked recruiting class, um, you know, and all the talent we return with guys like Johnny Walker and James Sanchez and, and the rest, it's exciting. We, we're going to have a hell of a team. Boy, Johnny Walker's been a great story for you, hasn't he, Greg? A Phoenix native who is now the top returning goal scorer in all of collegiate hockey. 60 goals his first three seasons. His 96 career points are the fourth most of any returning player in the nation. You couldn't have written a better script in that regard to have a local kid lead the Arizona State hockey program in its early years. Especially one that was so passionate about wanting to become a Sun Devil. He, he could have gone to a lot of places and just from the inception, the day we announced the program, he aggressively came after us and said, that's what I want to be. I want to be at ASU, build my whole hometown team up, uh, build a culture, let, allow his family to, to come watch his, his, his games. And, and, and he's been, you know, arguably the, best, the biggest building block of, of our program in, in so many different ways. And it's crazy to think that he's already a senior and seeing how much he's grown both personally and and physically, and, and um, he's dominant in practice right now. He's absolutely dominant. And, and if he's dominant against how hard our guys go in practice and with the skill we believe we have, it's, he's going to have a hell of a year. Johnny will be one of the Sun Devils team captains this season, and that's quite an honor for a young man uh, in any hockey program or at any level, even the National Hockey League, to get to wear the letter C on your sweater. The other Sun Devil captains will be uh, defenseman Jacob Wilson and senior forward Dominic Garcia. And, Greg, an interesting story on Dominic. Uh, Earlier this summer, he posted a powerful letter on the ASU Athletics website, basically urging his fellow Americans to be more understanding of one another as this country continues its fight for social justice. Yeah, he's a special kid, Dom. You know, and it was it was sobering, I think, for all of us that are close to him and that know him so well to see some of the the, the horrible experiences that he's um, unfortunately had to, to deal with as he's gone through through the game and, and gotten to be a, a captain at a at a top division one program, you know, and, and hockey is is a is a heavily played sport by by, you know, non minorities, you know, so he he's he's had it a lot more difficult than than we thought, it, it, you know, it, and it was really sobering to see such a, a great kid that we all love so much 
having gone through such hard circumstances to get where he's at. And uh, it took a lot of courage for Dom to write that, but anyone that knows him wouldn't be surprised at, at the, the way it was, was, was delivered and, and how it was written. Um, just with the, the way he was raised, he was raised by a tremendous family from Las Vegas, and, and, and it's to nobody's surprise that knows him. You mentioned a moment ago, Greg, your recruiting class ranked among the top five in the country, rated as high as number two nationally at one point. Who are some of the prime newcomers you'll be counting on this year? And in your opinion, how have you been able to establish the Pitchfork as such a, pow- a potent recruiting brand this early in your program's history? Well, I, we're excited about all these kids. They're, they're all impact guys. Um, when you, when you can bring in a class rank that high, clearly they are. In net, you know, Cole Brady, six foot five, New Jersey Devil draft pick, huge kid, big presence in net. He's going to give us depth, and and he's the future of the program in net. You know, he's got a tremendous guy in front of him right now, and Evan DeBrower, and another guy looks really good in Justin Robbins. But Cole's going to give us depth that we've never had. Um, on the back end, I talked a little bit about Carson Casabub, but up front, the forwards are just just so skilled and talented. You got a fourth round pick, Ryan O'Reilly. He has a natural skill set that we just haven't had here. You know, he 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 can score. He's big. He uses his body and protect, protects pucks better than probably anybody we've had. Um, he's going to step into a big role right away. And then you have a guy like Matthew Copperud, skilled, loves to play. Um, reminds us a lot of a young left shot version of Johnny Walker. He's going to have that kind of potential. Um, and then Michael Mancinelli is a, a kid up front that, that should be really effective for us playing down the middle. And, and same with Benji Eckerly. All kids that really wore letters in their junior careers were winners in their junior careers. Um, and, and this is a class that, that man, our, our, our staff just nailed it with. And it didn't get a second question. Yeah, the second part of the question is we've we just have a passionate group, you know, and and um, kids see through they 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 see it they 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 want to be a part of what we're building. We're trying to be unique. We try to do everything outside of the box, um, and, and we want to be different, and, and we are. And, and and kids are starting to take notice of that, um, and, and they want to be a part of it. Our mantra is be the tradition. And really, anybody that comes here in the first decade of our program can look back in 20 years when they're done playing hockey or whenever it is and and say that they helped build a culture here at the first Pac-12 school to ever have Division One hockey. And that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that kids are really sinking their teeth in right now. Greg, great insights as always. We really appreciate you joining us twice this week. Uh, you were a guest on Ray Anderson's podcast Tuesday and Knocked it out of the park there, and we enjoyed having you back here this evening. You're welcome anytime, my friend, and best of luck to you this season. Tim, it's always great to hear you, and we're all looking forward to hearing you on November 7th when we play USC. Can't wait. Sun Devil Hockey Head Coach Greg Powers has been our guest on this portion of the Maroon Monsoon. That'll put the period to the paragraph for tonight's show. Some thank yous before we finish here this evening. First and foremost, thanks to our terrific Sun Devil Radio Network engineer, Sean Crespin, for being our virtual technical guru. Thanks as well to Sean Mitchell of the Sun Devil Radio Network for his help on the broadcast. Our in-studio coordinator was Cody Fincher. We thank him for his help. And a big thank you to ASU Hockey Information Director Mitch Terrell for his assistance. We'll be back next Thursday night at 7 with another edition of the Maroon Monsoon, and we hope you'll join us then. Till then, I'm Tim Healy saying so long, everybody.
That was the Maroon Monsoon, brought to you by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Gila River bleeds maroon and gold and is Arizona's official sports headquarters. This Sun Devil Athletics program is an exclusive presentation of the Sun Devil Radio Network. Presented by MidFirst Bank.